Quentin, this week we are the Wild Things, and uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. Uh, got a couple elimination games, or possible elimination games, going on tonight as me and you are recording. So I have that loaded up on the computer, but I'm ready to talk about AEW. Yeah, so the big pay-per-view. Oh, actually, there is some news and some important things to talk about, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, some sort of important stuff. Jeez, almost forgot about all of that. Uh, So, WWE, I guess the biggest thing, right? WWE did more cuts. And this time, it's not just people who you've never heard of or people who have, you know, in NXT or people who've been off TV for months or sitting at home or rumor. Like, this was like people who literally just challenged for the championship recently. People who um, were just getting re-debuted on television, which actually interesting notes about the one that one in particular. Um, yeah, this was kind of out of nowhere. Um, I guess let me see if I have the full list of the recent, the most recent. God, there was even stuff in between since then, like before then, since the last time we Todd Phillips, right? He got released. That was that yes, was yeah, separate. Yeah, Tom Phillips got released. Yeah, and then um, we got bronze. An, annou- oh. an announcer, an, an announcer, an announcer that just got hired. Yeah, uh, something Burke? vert. Yeah, he had, he had, yeah he had just he had just left. He just got so let go. a couple of now. Yeah, and then uh, Santana Garrett, who I guess technically was listed as main roster, so that was part of why she got let go. Um even though she had not really debuted yet. Ruby Riot, obviously, Heidi Lovelace, which is fucking insane. Um, Murphy. <laughs> what was it? Buddy Murphy. Um, yeah. Lana. Alistair Black and Braun Strowman. This is this was a wild one. Um, what did you think about these these releases here? A couple a couple of these were really wild to me. Specifically Alistair Black. Uh, well, obviously, Braun Strowman is the one that's kind of well to think weird to think about, but specifically, Alistair Black and uh, Ruby Riot. I was like, oh, okay, I guess these two are just gone and didn't really ever get a chance in WWE. Um, 
So those ones were weird because I think specifically those, those people that could have been pretty big stars if they would have got, got gotten opportunities. And then Braun Strowman, a straight up WWE grown guy that for for a little bit had a lot of momentum behind him and was looking like a legitimate star, a real star, someone that you could have saw headlining at WrestleMania. He was a really big sensation. And just a couple of years later, that dude now got released. And what I'm seeing, it's it said something to do with how big his contract was. But clearly the dude had did something to earn that contract at some point. It's your fault if you mismanaged him and now he lost that momentum. That's not his fault that you ruined the value of his contract. Um, But yeah, but yeah, those three in particular... We're very, we're very interesting. Buddy Murphy always seemed like an overachiever in WWE. I don't think you can really be mad at anything involving him. He actually got to do more than I think anyone would have got, would have imagined him being, would have imagined him doing. If you remember Murphy from 2015 NXT, Lana seems like she stuck around longer than people expect. As people would have expected her to as well. And Santana Garrett, even when she signed, I thought it was like a weird signing. She didn't really make sense for the roster so it doesn't surprise me but again someone that didn't even really get a chance but alistair alistair black and heidi and heidi lovelace uh, ruby right gotta get i gotta get in the habit of calling her that those those being the those those two being on there alistair who just returned to tv and he it looks like he thought that there was an understanding and a desire to go forward with his character and a storyline for him. And then he just, he didn't, he, he didn't see this coming. He didn't, re, he didn't request a release, anything like that. He's just gone. And yeah, some, so much, a, a few of these were really, really weird. Santana Garrett is a shocking one to me. Like I said, because she had, ne- she hadn't even really debuted on the main roster. She's been here and there on NXT um, and felt like a really good fit for them in a lot of ways. Um, you know, maybe not the best wrestler, but very passable, decent look, you know, good personality, gives off the vibe that would like get over, I think, in a WWE setting. So that was kind of a shocking one. Ruby Riot's another one because I just I can't imagine them firing any women who can work just with the focus that they have to have on women's wrestling now, especially. And I, and I, and I don't understand because like Ruby, it will never ceased to boggle my mind how she just got no opportunities ever yeah well i mean it's not it's not shocking i guess she doesn't fit the stereotype of what vince likes right but i think you know obviously i think that she's great as a wrestler she's fantastic lots of charisma and in some ways honestly thinking about like her freelance run um and you know obviously outside of there as well um she might be better off leaving WWE just because she can't do a lot of the stuff that she did in the kind of intergender um, realm of wrestling in WWE. This is just never going to happen. So she might honestly be kind of better off if she's able to wrestle in companies that allow her to do that more. Um, so there is that side of it as well. But such a waste, obviously, a huge one. Murphy, Murphy, like you said, overachiever. I think that's the... That's the statement of Murphy, but I mean, he's a guy who honestly comes out of here much better um, than than pretty much anybody else who's been released in WWE in a long time. I mean, 
the Australian scene exists now. So even if it's not like a uh, huge, he's definitely would not be, he'll get as much work as he wants in Australia. Um, and he's got some name value and recognition with a certain segment of wrestling fans now that I think uh, make a difference. And I do think that make people more intrigued to bring him in. So I think that Murphy, I think Murphy's fine. I think Murphy is a guy who's got enough buzz. Now, will a big company take him? Like, Maybe, and by big, you know, AEW, right? That would be it. Maybe not AEW. They may not be interested in him. Um, but that said, pretty much... And, oh. and, 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 and Impact could totally yeah. use a guy like that. He might not be someone that be, would be a big piece for AEW. I think that's more reserved for someone like an Aleister Black if, if, he decided to, if he decided to express interest in going there. But, yeah, Murphy for sure is someone, again, overachieved and created, and created a name for himself that no one would have thought he would have created uh, cre- would have created I mean 6 or 7 years ago. Yeah. No, he he definitely comes out of this be- a lot better off than than a lot of other people do in his situation. Um because yeah, I think every company outside of AEW, so you know, Impact, ROH, and then basically any of the indies um are all going to want to use him. That's like there's no question there. New Japan <laughs> Um, if New Japan, for some reason, isn't interested in Murphy, which I think that they might be, especially, like I said, with the Australian thing, if he decides to move to Australia, I think that that makes an easier deal with New Japan. Um, so that could that could be a deciding factor if he wants to go back to Australia, because I could definitely see that's an easier flight. You know, that's easier travel back and forth. He can wrestle in Australia and pick up other indie dates off and on. Um, if, you know, if the UK opens back up, he can obviously wrestle anywhere where there's wrestling there um and then work new japan and australia and like yeah could definitely make a solid career out of all of that um on top of every indie in the states every wrestling company in the states outside of aew would definitely want him like aew is the only one where you say maybe maybe not they i think that they could use him but i don't know if they necessarily need him uh lana yeah of course not. yeah lana's an interesting one like you said because it feels like why did it take so long they were obviously like enamored with her specifically. Um, there was the rumor recently, right, that she was going to be the female John Cena. They thought or something. That was a very weird one. Um, I don't even know what that story was. Um, I, th- I, th- I think like they. Do- I mean, like we know WWE and that and the, th- and the shit that they tried at this point, but like pretty sure they deliberately tried to break up her and yeah. Rusev. Probably, yeah, <laughs> like- definitely. So they were happy to keep them apart and. And, you know, you hear the people saying it, and obviously it makes sense. Like, bring her in to AEW and put her back with Rusev because they work really well as an act. And they do. And, honestly, this might be the best time for it. Rusev is getting his feet underneath him in this new role as a, you know, a destroyer. And that was kind of what got him over in WWE. Bring back Lana to play kind of his mouthpiece. Although he has, over the years, proven to be really good on the mic. Like... Yeah, he, like that's the thing. Like, like Lana wouldn't be like a hurt. Like, wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt to add to his act. But he, he's kind of outgrown it. He doesn't really need a mouthpiece anymore. No, like I can definitely. If he was in WWE, yes, he still needs a mouthpiece because he's got an accent. And I think you know, it's like fucking Cesaro, right? Like Cesaro can talk. That's one thing that always drives me crazy because people act like Cesaro can't talk at all. And I'm like, Cesaro can talk. He just has an accent. English is not his first language. And some things come don't come across as smoothly, but he's clever. And so off the cuff, he'll say things, but sometimes he misspeaks and it's, you know, it's awkward. But it's like, 
everywhere outside of WWE, that doesn't matter. If you're clever and you're clear enough that people can understand what you're saying when you come up with stuff, like, it works. And we see it in AEW with someone like Rusev, who, you know, his accent is, uh, Vince isn't going to let him talk because he thinks, like, no one can understand you and your accent is bad and you sound dumb or whatever. But in AEW, they don't mind. They just let him talk. He's fucking funny. He's funny. He's smart. And then when he has to turn it on and be aggressive and intense, he he's fucking scary. So it is like, yeah, he doesn't need a mouthpiece anywhere outside of WWE, really. But they were a good act. So it is like, eh, you know, we'll see. I don't... That's, a, that's an iffy one. Because it's like, what does Lana do? But she also can do the outside of wrestling stuff. I mean, she's got... She's got all of that. Like she can do the Twitch streams. She can do, you know what I mean. She's a, she's she's a big she's a big personality. Like if AEW just added her to the roster as someone that could do that, like you know, help do some, do some streaming stuff or some hosting or whatever, she's still a good hire because she has a, she's a big personality. She came from the, she came from the entertainment world before she came into wrestling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she was a singer. She did acting, other stuff like that. So yeah, like totally could. And yeah, I mean, you've got stuff like AEW heels that they have branded towards trying to attract female fans. I think that Lana can definitely do some of that kind of stuff as well. Cause I've never even really seen what that is, like what that entails for the, you know, cause you have to pay to, you know, go like do the meetings and all the stuff that they do with that. That's like online, like, you know, zoom chats and things like that, but could definitely see her being involved in some of that stuff. And then they've got the reality show. She's got history on total divas. I mean, they're doing the Cody family reality show. You can have Rusev and Lana be a part of that. And I wouldn't, you know, they were actually really intriguing. My wife, Alicia, my wife, watched some Total Divas and, like, she totally, like, thought that they were super fun. And the stuff that I saw, like, definitely very interesting. So, yeah, you can have Rusev and Lana on on the Cody Rhodes uh, reality show. You can have her doing stuff, but like I said, like, backstage, digital stuff, all that kind of stuff. So there's a place for her, even if it's not just, oh, yeah, automatically throw her back with Rusev. Um, on TV, because he may, like we said, he may not even need her anymore. Really, his character has kind of got his, got his thing. Um, Braun Strowman, like you mentioned, <coughs> a guy who seems like he could be a main event of WrestleMania, and I was like, didn't he just wrestle? So I looked it up, and he challenged for the Universal Title against Goldberg, but it was the second from the top match, just like, uh, to the 2020. So it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was a guy who could main event any show. Um. He was a guy that seemed like a top guy. He seemed like there would be no way that he would go, like he would leave. You you know, hear the thoughts that like he was not the the giant anymore. They have almost and he's going to be the new giant, um, right? So now Braun Strowman, what does he, you know, what does he matter? But it's like, yeah, this guy's actually got some charisma. Like I, I wasn't a huge fan of his, but he got over multiple different times. He gets over and he gets hot and all they had to do was throw him out there and in different ways. I mean, this guy has gotten over. When he was just in the Wyatt family, when, you know, when he was the wrecking machine, he's gotten over as like a comedy baby face. He's gotten over multiple different times in different characters. And you don't necessarily always have big guys with that that much personality. And it just goes to show, like I was saying, like almost like almost has not shown the same level of personality. It's weird to like cut bait on Strowman because you've got a new giant who is completely unproven at this point, who can barely wrestle and hasn't shown any aptitude for the character side of things. So it's just an odd choice. Um, but yeah, for me, the big one and the one that I want to talk the most about here or talk some background stuff is Alistair Black. Uh, Tommy End, a guy that I've been a big fan of for a long time. Um, 
I mean, the second it happened, he pops on a Twitch stream and talks everything over. And I've met Tommy End and I've talked to him plenty of times. You know, there's the, you know, the, the PWG after show dinner cruise and all that stuff. Um, and like, he always came across to me like an intelligent guy, well-spoken well and kind of understands things. And it's fucking wild to see that like being in WWE like brainwashes these people or something it's either that or he's just trying to like play nice in case he can get a chance to go back but the way that he talked on the tw- on this twitch stream that he did he sounded like he's just completely indoctrinated in the wwa way of thinking and like completely bought into the bullshit he the the one thing that was super glaring to me is he's just like the dirt sheets uh you know, they just make stuff up. They don't have real information. You know, maybe if they have the truth, they have 5% truth. And then the rest of the 95% of the story is bullshit made up, whatever. Right. And uh, I heard Meltzer even, you know, refer to that and say like, oh, you know, he, he, uh, he said uh, that we said he wanted to go to NXT, but then he did want to go to NXT. He said that that was a lie that he wanted to go to NXT, but then it was, but Meltzer didn't even listen to the stream. I don't think and didn't understand what was actually said. But to me, what was actually said was even more damning is he said the reason why he knows the dirt sheets are bullshit is that there was a story and we all saw it going around in the dirt sheets that said Alistair Black requested a return to NXT because they're not using him on the main roster. And that request, that idea was shot down by WWE management. And he said, I know that that story was untrue because I told Vince, hey, I should go back down to NXT. And Vince said, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, but I don't see that for you. I don't want to do that. Um, and we're, I have another idea and we're going to do this other stuff. And maybe at some other point you can go back down to NXT. Which is his idea got shot down. <laughs> but I think he's gotten so brainwashed that he legitimately believes. Honestly, that, that, like, that, like, like that's the exact same shit. Yeah, <laughs> that is what happened. You, He had an idea and the idea got shot down. And he explained the story. And, the, and, and then... Yeah. And then, the, and then the idea that you, and, the, and then the supposed idea didn't even happen. <laughs> right. But he's, he's, that's why I said, I think he's got the WWE brainwash where it's like, well, Vince said that he loved the idea, so he didn't shoot it down. He loved it. He thought it was a great idea. It just wasn't the right time. And it's just, it's insane to me to think that this person who, like I said, has come across to me like relatively clever or at least like smart enough is just like completely brainwashed to where he's like, oh, the dirt sheets just make things up. Vince would never shoot down on my ideas. He thinks my ideas are great. It's just sometimes he doesn't go with them. It's just, it's insane to see how people get indoctrinated in that company. Like, you know, in a relatively short amount of time. I mean, he was on the main roster for a couple of years. He was on NXT for a couple of years, but just completely like drinking the Kool-Aid and believing that like, oh, the dirt sheets just lie. Everything they say is bullshit. Even when he knows that they're true. And, uh, and Vince, you know, he loves, he, Vince is a hundred percent behind me. He thinks that I'm great, but, uh, I just got fired cause, uh, other people had it out for me, you know, and he just completely buys into all of that. And that's just, it's crazy to hear. I, I want to believe that he's just hedging the bet, hoping that he'll be able to come back if he doesn't say anything bad. But to me, it just really comes across like just completely brainwashed and he basically has turned into a Vin cell. You know, that's the craziest part about WWE is that. They, they love to joke that, you know, the marks are in the ring or whatever on the indies. But fuck, man, the WWE wrestlers seem to be the biggest marks for Vince. They just buy into whatever lies he tells them. Yeah. It's it's nuts. <laughs> like, like, I don't like really understand the idea. It's like, 
Either way, Vince has the final say-so on if someone gets fired or right. not. No one's getting fired if Vince like, really loves you. Yeah, if Vince was aware, Vince is aware of all these things. Before someone gets fired, I'm pretty sure that there's some kind of sit-down and talk over the names in which we want to release. Yeah, no, it, exactly. <laughs> like, so, like... I, so if if Vince if Vince was aware of your of, that you were gonna get fired, but and 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 didn't and didn't step in or say no, we have plans for that guy, and just okay, you get cool, let Alistair Black go. Clearly, he didn't think as highly of you as you as you're as you're making as you're making it seem. <laughs> it's not like it's not like it's not it's not like you can't position yourself like you're in like this like CM Punk situation where like if you like hear Punk talk about Punk talk about Vince. Punk and Vince seem to have like an actual like relationship going on. Like, okay, yeah, Vince didn't like how that did, wasn't wasn't a fan of how that went down, and was aware that tri- that Triple H was the issue there. That, but like, that's pretty clear that Punk and Punk and Vince had some kind of tangible good relationship. Right. If you got released, you don't have that. With yeah, Vince. I mean, Punk left on his own, and then it turned into a fight. You know what I mean? Like he wanted to leave, and he got the release or whatever. But it was like he was trying to leave. Yeah, it's like completely, it's completely different. Punk was also a top guy. Like, you know, I mean, I, you know, not to, no shade on Tommy End, but I'm a bit, like I said, big fan, but uh, he was never a top guy. He was just, that's the part about this. This is so crazy, though, is he was just being reintroduced on vignettes on TV and they cut him in the middle of it, which just goes to show even more how, like, piss poor the planning is in WWE right now. And from you know everything i'm hearing monday night's raw ratings were fucking insanely low like lowest of all time low so yeah i mean clearly there's something there's something not great going on backstage in wwe because they're cutting a guy as you're in the middle of reintroducing him to tv yeah that's that's uh definitely showing that one hand doesn't know what the other one's doing you know what i mean yeah um yeah, that's 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 a little dis- that's a little disheartening and kind of, and maybe it is a hedging your bets thing, but like, he he almost is like striking me as a guy that doesn't really understand his own value when he talks like that. Sure, yeah, like, like, dude, like, dude, I don't think you understand the value that you have. You're someone that wasn't that was an NXT champ, has great match credibility. Like, regardless of how limited your opportunities in WWE were. The opportunities you you did get, you had some pretty memorable matches. Whether it was teaming with Ricochet against the War Raiders, or the Cesaro match, or the match with but match with Andrade from 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 one of the from one of those takeovers, you did some pretty good memorable stuff, and you have some kind of cachet. And it 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 sucks to hear him talk like that, but it's like, dude, other companies would like die to have you why are you going out of your way to defend wwe so much yeah yeah it made me think about you know and you know obviously it's already on my mind because i think about the reunion between them as a tag team or also even as uh, competitors but chris hero and the stuff that he said post both times he's gotten released i mean he's been <laughs> a lot more uh i'll say coming across a lot more clear-headed you know and a lot more just like being honest and understanding and maybe hedging slightly but openly saying like you know yeah i don't want to talk shit or you know i could possibly come go back at some time but you know here are the issues and here's what i saw and he was always very vocal even the first time he got released and ended up going back i mean he was never he never came across like he was completely indoctrinated but i guess it just shows like the difference of someone who someone who really is in like uh is really like invested in wrestling 
you know, as opposed to someone who was like really trying to become a WWE superstar kind of guy, you know, like it did show a little bit of that. And like you said, a little bit of like, it's a little bit disheartening to think that he doesn't know, uh, he doesn't know his value. Cause yeah, I mean, he's better in a lot of ways he's better off and I think he doesn't even realize it or maybe he does who knows. But, uh, I don't, I don't, the way, the, I mean, hopefully maybe, but the way, from, from, from the way that sounded, I don't think, I don't think he does. It's like, man, if you, what, I, from the front of you, you, you've heard me talk about Alistair Black before. I didn't know this guy could have, like, they could have made him into like a version of Goldberg, kind of. They had it perfect. The the look, everything, just come out and do your wheel kick, knock people, knock people out in ten seconds, and they did it a couple of times, and it looked awesome every time they did it. Why did you just not have them do that for like three months, and then build and then and then build him up? It's perfect. I don't. I really get the feeling that Alistair doesn't even know what he's what he's worth there, and like in a, in a in a company that know that knows that knows how to book people. In, I I don't know. I don't know when what his plan is. I don't know when he plans on returning to wrestling. If he plans on returning to wrestling, he's someone that's wrestled for a long time at, the, at this point as well. Got got to factor that. Got to factor that in. But yeah, like re- reading some reading some of this stuff. Um, and, and like, he really, he really, really wanted to succeed in WWE. And I think that might be a part that disappoints him. Cause like when took, when, when it took the acting classes, came up with his own stories, wanted to have like background, like back, like backgrounds and reasoning for stuff. So he wanted to feud with Bray Wyatt and then, and then, and then feud with Seth Rollins and then feud with Randy Orton and have all like these like things that are like tying it together and all that kind of stuff. I'm imagining he saw that he wanted to do that based off this based off the success of the fiend, and he he really brought in, brought in the wanting to succeed in WWE the way that he thought WWE success looked like, and I don't know maybe maybe the, maybe the dude lost himself in that. Yeah, I mean it's pretty easy, but it is to 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 have that happen. I think, um, and yeah, it's just it's it's tough to 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 see him do that because you are kind of like yeah, like you know be open have ideas do all that stuff but you also have to keep in mind that like they're not gonna ever bring you back or treat you good if you act like that's all you want is to come back really bad right like that's the wwe thing you gotta you gotta leave hit the ground running and make a name for yourself outside of wwe so that they're begging you to come back like you telling me that they would they're not gonna beg moxley to come back the second that his contract is up right you know i mean that's what you gotta do um to get their attention you can't be you can't come across like you're you know begging to return so Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully he just shows up. I mean, the second that, or as soon as it got announced, I saw, uh, WXW, you know, reposting their old saying goodbye to, to Tommy end thing and he reposted it. So obviously there's something there. He'll show back up in WXW the second that he can. Um, but that's a weird one too. Cause what's their connection with WWE really? Right. Do, do, do you think that he's like such a WWE loyalist that he wouldn't even, that he wouldn't even do AEW? I don't know. I mean, I would hope that he does, but it's possible. You think that um, that AEW would like definitely want him? It yeah, feels like, like yes, right? It has to be. He's a, he's a, he's com- like obviously Darby exists, but he's like he's completely different than anyone on the roster. Just his style and everything that he brings to the table. He's completely different than he, than anyone on the roster. And you and you can do a bunch of different things with him. You can, if you want to use him as a babyface, you can use him as a babyface. But that dude can you can come in and make him a heel and start him versus whoever um 
versus fucking Hangman or something or, or something. Yeah. Any prominent any prominent babyface, and that's immediately one of the hottest one of the hottest things on the programming. Yeah. No. I. I think I think that I think that Alistair should be treated as like a big money potential guy. I think that I think that anyone that like really looks at I think that anyone that really looks at wrestling and looks at what can get over and looks at that looks at potential should look at Alistair and be like, okay, this is someone that has star potential, not just upper upper mid carder mid carder good workhorse potential. This is a guy that's a potential star. I feel like, and I feel like WWE never really got to that point with him, you know, same thing with a guy like Andrade, and we're waiting to see what Andrade's post-WWE moves are, but, like, we're, t- we're talking about guys that have legitimate star potential, and AW has shown that they can, cre- that they can create stars to see the writing on the wall and get there with their projects and guys that, and guys that they, uh, guys that they, guys that they took a liking to, and this, like, he he's one of those guys that I, that I would, put a lot behind if he was interested yeah i definitely go for him and he was mentioning andrade as well and those guys have history with each other they've had they've had good matches with each other in the past already so that's two guys that if you do somehow get both of them you've got an instant made program between them or you could do whatever with them you could put them together i mean shit you could do a ton of different things so there is definitely something there um and yeah i'm i'm with you he does seem like a guy They've got Rampage coming up, so they're going to have more TV on AEW, and he's a guy that you could definitely make a big focus of um, pretty quickly. Um, I guess speaking of uh, people who could be big focuses of places, Alex Kane. Did you see Alex Kane signs with MLW? I, 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 I didn't see that, but that's not surprising that someone that's almost trying to snatch it up already. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of these, you know, MLW grabbing someone who has a ton of potential who we all kind of see and uh, grabs them before anybody else does. So good on them. Obviously, MLW has somebody with a good eye for talent involved. uh, So they're always grabbing difference makers. And, you know, the MLW contract doesn't mean a lot when it comes to your other bookings. A lot of times you can still basically do whatever. So good news there. Um, When it comes to, (laughs) let's say, outside bookings, there's definitely the stories going on with WWE and and New Japan. This is obviously uh, overblown and misunderstood as far as a lot of people have taken it. The report was misworded, misexplained, and people uh, misunderstood on top of that. Um, But there was communication between the two companies at some point earlier in the year. Um, But... There's also a timeline that looks like the communication stopped around the time that Daniel Bryan's contract ended. So the idea that there was a an attempt to make something work so that Daniel Bryan could go to New Japan and stay in a WWE contract is probably likely what was going on there. Tony Khan cuts a pretty cringy promo <laughs> talking shit. Um, yeah, what do you uh, what did you think? What did you make of all this? Not much to it, I don't think, really. Uh yeah 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 not really some of this some of it's just like been like cringy and pointless and just like weird dis- weird discourse on this stuff like honestly I don't I don't really have like much to much to say about yeah it. <laughs> there was not much to the story like I said the promo was bad that was like basically the main issue as far as I was concerned Tony Khan I mean whatever he can uh he can do his thing but it's a good thing they keep it off TV right that's their their whole thing he's not gonna appear as a yeah. character on AEW TV but. The promos that he does, the stuff that he was doing in TNA was kind of fine, but this one was pretty bad. 
uh, talking shit to Nick Khan and and calling himself the Forbidden Door and all that stuff uh, was not uh, not the best look, but it was interesting because the TNA stuff or Impact stuff, you could say he's intentionally a heel, so it's okay that he's kind of annoying or whatever. Um, but the uh, this here just kind of felt like, well, wouldn't he be the babyface here? I, I don't know. It's just being cocky and annoying. Um, either way, nothing much to the story, it doesn't seem. Um, but while on the AEW note, right, let's... Uh, I guess switch over. We talked about it before we started. Uh, previewed it on the last episode. AEW Double or Nothing. Um, before we start, what do you think about AEW having two big pay-per-views that are all like casino and gambling themed because of like you know the genesis of the company starting off of a bet or whatever? Because I think it's kind of cheesy and I don't really like it. But uh, what do you think of the the, the casino aesthetic? Uh, I mean, I, I get it, and like I, I, I feel like um, I feel like it's, I feel like they still like do, like do it in ways where like it still feels kind of important. I, I guess I can see it being kind of cheesy, but then like you look at like other like wrestling show names, it's like, is this like really worse than like insurrection and rebellion oh, sure, sure. and backlash? Yeah, like so to me, it's like well, if I'm grading it on the scale of like wrestling pay per view names, you know what? All Out doesn't seem too bad. The names, like I said, the names don't really bother me as much as, like, the, the casino theming. Like, the big poker yeah, chip. Yeah, like the stage, the, the sta- yeah, yeah, the stage set up and everything. Yeah, that's the stuff that kind of, I just, it, to me, you know, and this is just me, it just makes me think of, like, the old Hollywood aesthetic, or not Hollywood, the old Vegas aesthetic, and just that's kind of corny to me at this point. But uh, I know other people are probably more into it than I am, and uh, I've never liked gambling, or I've never cared about gambling, I'll say. So to me, I don't know. None of that matters to me. Um, and then the fact that they have like two pay-per-views that are both with that aesthetic just kind of like makes me. But it's I guess it's a good thing that they have something right because it's the whole WWE thing where like none of their shows have a unique look anymore. So I shouldn't complain that they do something. But it just I think it's overdoing it by having two different big pay-per-views that they have that are both like casino themed. Um, but that was it. That was just my thought. Um at least, at least there's like some distance between them at least sure that's true um so open up the show got the buy-in um talked about this before um that i predicted this could be the match of the night um unfortunately maybe overhyped a little they weren't you know obviously it was the pre-show they weren't positioned to have like an epic match but it was the nwa title match so i thought maybe they'd give it a little bit more still really really great match and honestly could still be one of the best matches on the show, but had a couple of phenomenal tag team matches, honestly. Um, so didn't end up definitely clearly being the best match on the show. Um, but yeah, really great, really great showing here. Riho, uh, obviously phenomenal babyface, but the kind of the star and, and really one of the major stars of the women's division has been Serena Deeb. I mean, her offense just looks brutal. Her her poise in the ring is phenomenal she just comes across like a really really in control vet who's just beating the crap out of her and that serenity lock finish just looks like a murder every time uh, did you did you see this and what did you think no i forgot i forgot that this i forgot that this was the buy that was the buy-in match and when you when you said it, i'm like oh yeah remember we were really excited about the, the potential of this but as i as i was going through the show and getting ready to watch it 
I completely forgot that this was the buy-in match. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I, 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 uh, I kind of expected. I know that you uh, don't always catch the pre-show, and I can't blame you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was good. But it, it was not the match of the night. But I definitely recommend it. Check it out because it was a good match. Um, open up the show proper. Got the real cowboy shit. Uh, Adam, pa- Adam Hangman Page. I don't even know. Do they just call him Hangman here? Um, versus they interchange it hangman hangman adam page yeah. uh they, they they interchange it here oh you didn't mention it a crowd yeah yeah hot uh and yeah we got uh uh super super hot crowd really engaged really engaged crowd especially if you look at it comparatively between uh between the between this crowd here and even like and even wrestlemania yeah the, this this was a this was a super hot crowd. The building, no, the building's a lot more full, I think, than WrestleMania, according to reports. I I couldn't say for sure, but uh, but yeah, this crowd is into everything, and they're going nuts for everything. Um, yeah, and and that even goes into the the first match on the show. As I said, a Hangman Adam Page comes out. He's got a match against Brian Cage, but when Hangman comes out, the crowd loses their mind. I mean, it is huge. Um, but yeah, Quentin, what did you? Okay, okay, now see, like the. the no, that's what, that's what I was waiting for when we were having these conversations in the Slack and on here about, oh, the, like, you know, Hangman feels like he's cooled off and this and that. And, like, part of why I was, like, part of part of why I was hustling on that, I was like, okay, well, we got to wait until these crowds come back. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because I was probably a big part of this conversation, right, on the other side of it. My, my contention was not that he's cooled off with the crowd. My contention was that the booking and his momentum has been on the back burner and clearly they weren't focused right, on it. Right, when we right. did the preview i talked about it this was a great diversionary um feud for him that gave him something to do while he wasn't in the main you know in the championship picture and that was something that i was saying kind of was missing so having that also helps too so this feels like he had something to overcome in cage and you're also kind of two-pronged telling the story where cage is somewhat breaking away from team taz so you're actually having like both parts of the story. Adam Page has an obstacle to overturn. He's got to watch his back. He's got Team Taz around the outside, but it's also a little bit easier for him to get by because Cage is turning away Team Taz and Cage doesn't want the help from Team Taz. So you're kind of getting both parts of the story at the same time. So Adam Page is overcoming something. Cage is like being, you know, seeing that he's not at the top, top of the company, you know, uh, ability wise without team Taz helping him win. So he's going to have to, you know, make a choice there. So definitely some cool stuff. Uh, shout out to, to cage. I don't really care about the, um, the intro, you know, cyborg gear, but I did like his wrestling gear, uh, look like a tribute to, uh, Akira Tozawa's Spider-Man, uh, gear. So, uh, you know, RIP to the retired or dead eaten by a shark Akira Tozawa. But, uh, what did you think of this match? This, this is the perfect perfect opener for a situation like this, where this is the first uh, capacity AEW crowd in, in a while, and you know you have two guys that go out there and have a lot of a lot of big fun offense, some near some near falls. Adam Page is a really good bumper in a in a in a pretty good seller, but that is that's not really a attribute of his that gets highlighted very often, and uh, he's a, he's a pretty big guy too, so not a position that he usually he usually finds himself in. But here getting ragdolled by Cage really puts over how big and strong Cage is, as we know, obviously. He's been a big, strong guy for a while. And makes Adam Page more sympathetic than he probably has been in a long time. And 
like like I, like I touched on earlier, just the perfect opener, fast fast paced, quick, goes like ten minutes, and and develop and develops everything, gives gives Page a win over K over Cage again, but by the skin of his teeth, and keeps Cage looking strong because the only reason why Page um, Cage lost, you could argue, is because he's arguing with both Ricky Starks and Hook, so without the distraction. You could argue that Cage would have won. That Cage would have won the match, and that's that's the thing that AEW's been really good at. Same thing that Lucha Underground was really good at with Cage, is keeping him looking strong even in defeat. And we talked about how good this feud was as a vehicle to buy more time for Page heading into heading into the summer and fall, potentially against potentially against Kenny Omega, and they did a really good job here. developed Developed all their stories, and no one and no one came out of it for the worse. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as you were talking about that kind of uh, Adam Page's his kind of position, um, he really is the perfect kind of like in between guy. He's not, you know, he's not a giant. He's also not like super small, and he can wrestle both sides. He can play both roles, and he can intermix stuff too to get to show off. So he can bump and feed for someone like Cage, but then he can also show off some power, which he did here. Do stuff like hitting the big F fives and things like that. Um, Cage going for the buckshot lariat and messing it up also was a nice little detail to show that Page can do what Cage can do, but Cage can't do what Page can do. Ah, oh, that's a good tongue twister, right? Um, it's early enough to where I can still say it. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a good, perfect opener. Um, followed up by another phenomenal match uh, in the tag team championship match. As I aforementioned, we had a couple good tag team matches here. Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson looking ridiculous, going up against uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley coming out to Wild Thing. Did you did you did you know that Nick did you know that did you know that Nick could grow a beard? I did not. I did not. I had never seen it before, and it was very interesting. He also darkened his hair. Um, yeah, he he's it's very really weird seeing him have a totally different look here. Um. Yeah, it was a. I think I think I think then he get then he get a I think he has a septum piercing. Probably now too. he probably does. He's good. They're going all out, man. I mean, it's, it's like wow. Yeah. Like I I don't know if it's like a, if, I don't know if it's like a like a, like a clip on thing. If he actually like when got a septum piercing done, it was like oh wow, yeah. <laughs> these guys are really committed to this. Yeah, it's 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 awesome to uh to try to um camouflage your midlife crisis by having a heel turn, um <laughs> in your wrestling character, right? But yeah, he's also got the chain. You know, Nick's got the chain. I mean, he really... Nick, because Nick has never really done this. I heard someone mentioning it, like, coloring the hair and all this. Matt has kind of changed the look here and there, but Nick has not. I mean, from the beginning, Nick has always kind of had the same long hair, same kind of hair color, you know, just whatever matching gear. You know, bandana, not bandana, but that's it. But, like, everything else, he's stayed looking pretty much the same. This was this is a huge diversion and change in his overall look. Um you know, obviously, it's <laughs> facial hair, coloring your hair, chain, septum piercing, right? It's a little bit uh, superficial, but but yeah, I mean, he's he's there. He's really leaning into this as a heel turn, and it's interesting because he's always seemed like he could probably be a pretty good heel, but he's never uh, never really leaned in, and it's kind of crazy to think. I mean, me and you both have been big fans of the Young Bucks and watching them this long, and to think that they're still doing new stuff, right? You know, people talk about the wrestlers who reinvent themselves over and over again throughout the decades it was like didn't expect it the young bucks have stayed kind of the same and just been really good at what they do for so long you kind of 
didn't expect them to mix it up this much but yeah i mean they they definitely are the gear is ridiculous with the pockets and the tights and the little things on the the tassels that say champions you know and everything um it's just kind of being like winking a nod with it in quotation marks and being like uh postmodern or whatever it's, it's uh it's interesting <laughs> um definitely weird to see the look um the match itself i thought was a really great mix uh i heard people kind of being like oh you know what's this gonna be like this is not a team that that fits with the young bucks kind of match you know what they normally do and i'm just kind of like i i just did not see that there would be any issue here i really expected this to be great and it and it was uh kingston and moxley fucking ruled just being big bruisers um young bucks obviously we both know are just phenomenal at being cheating underdog heels taking double teams constantly uh coming up with you know double team spots that are just like unique and come out of nowhere um just a lot of really you know cool stuff constantly going on um while also just being complete pricks uh there's blood there's violence yeah i mean just the 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 cheating the hoopla like the kenny omega match we'll talk about later but the outside stuff just became overbearing and the young bucks i mean they're just so much better at it it's fucking crazy but like this match had outside stuff going on cold spray weapons shoes all of that but the match was still good like the young bucks have always been so good at doing all the hoopla and the dog and pony show and the extra just going over the top with all the stuff but never losing the narrative never losing the thread um and they did a great job of that here part of it is that like they always know when to kick it up with some violence like you can do all the bullshit but then melter driver on the on the ramp and then blood you know what i mean and it's just like yeah like tone it like after when things go a little bit over the top or, or things are just being like a little bit crazy like bring it back bring it back to earth with just something ridiculously violent and that like that just like kind of grounds the match back in the like realistic nature of like it, this is a pro wrestling match um but yeah what did you uh what did you think of this one Quentin? yeah we we predicted this to be really good even though the young bucks heel turn had been kind of shaky in terms of production uh with the, with the, with in-ring quality i predicted this this is a big this is a big match big spot few they've been building the young bucks are going to show up for this and i thought they did mox and kingston bring the bring the intensity and the bucks take a ass the bucks take a ass kicking and stooge around and look go, look goofy and silly as they're getting their asses kicked and get and get this comeuppance but you know they're, they like the bucks are really good at being opportunistic and thriving off mistakes when they're when they're heels they're not you know creating these creating these mistakes themselves they find a moment to go after eddie kingston's leg and we know we, we know eddie kingston we know eddie kingston when he sells something he's very he's very committed to it and eddie you get really good legs legs on eddie kingston here um mox again the first time that we've really seen mox versus the bucks and it felt like magic it felt like it, it felt it clicked right away that whole connection between them the dynamic between them the chemistry between them it clicked right away as Mox being this sort of foil to the Bucks and everything and everything that and everything that they are, and this featured everything had had blood. Uh, the the uh, Kingston's limb selling was was really good. I liked the Buck. I liked the Bucks's antics, antics and strate- and strategies. It escalated. It escalated really well. A match that's definitely enhanced by having a crowd again. And yeah, it, it just felt good to see to see this match. It's a match that I had been most and mostly anticipating 
since they've been built since they've been building the mocks versus uh Kenny and Kenny and the elite stuff continuing I was I was really intrigued by this match and wanted to see where where it would go and I'm glad that it delivered when it finally happened yeah and yeah you hit you hit all the notes there and yeah especially the mocks obviously mocks and the young bucks have some some great chemistry there which you're calling out was a good good point because we could move forward and see Mox and someone else against the Young Bucks at some point, right? You could always end up like other things going on. So definitely, definitely cool. And yeah, we talked about it, but like when the Young Bucks and um, FTR did their match and it was like everything was, you know, referencing and it, a love, what was it, a love letter to tag team wrestling or whatever. Um, And like they did some of that stuff here, but again, they like, I think that they did such a great job here by keeping it grounded somewhat. Like they did some references and call outs to other stuff, but it just didn't to me it didn't get hokey yeah, yeah like yeah but um at the same time this wasn't like you know bucks for ftr was supposed to be like a dream match thing and that just kind of like got snatched away from them because of the situation that they were placed in this didn't have nearly the same stakes nearly the same build or uh or anticipate or anticipation behind it so it totally had a lot of the same marks and you could you could see you could say probably benefited because it ran shorter probably about like ten minutes shorter, but yeah, like FTR versus Bucks mainly got fucked because uh, because of just having no crowd. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, follow this up. We get the what is it the oh what do they call this thing? Um, the Battle Royal. Uh, they have some dumb name for it that I can't think of. Casino, Casino, Casino Battle yeah, Royal. Casino Battle Royale. That's it. That's it. Um. Obviously, uh, did not our my prediction did not come true. I think your predictions also uh, felt like possibly an audible. But uh, what did you think of this one? Uh, it, it it was it was fine. None of these things really differ, really differentiate themselves or stand out. Other than the one, that, other than the first one from from All In that had had the Jordan Grace and Brian Cage moment. None of these things have ever really stood out. Um. I did like the final. I did like the final two between Jungle Boy and Christian, and Jungle Boy swinging across the uh, the post in, or, in order to avoid getting eliminated. But yeah, nothing too memorable, memorable about this. But kind of followed the same a similar structure that I anticipated. I anticipated Christian wouldn't win, but they'd use him. But they'd use him to get somebody else over. That's that's kind of the uh, line of thinking I had with it with this, and it, and it went pretty much that way. Yeah, um, I think that they made the right call on the winner. Um, the crowd was nuts for Jungle Boy f- from the second he came out all the way until the finish. So definitely a good call there because um, this doesn't have to be a big match for him to get the challenge, right? They've been kind of teasing off and on him getting, you know, getting involved with the champion, but never really being a uh, a credible challenger yet. And eventually he'll get there, it feels like, because the crowd is hot for this guy and he's really feeling like the the AEW homegrown star you know, and eventually he'll get there, um, you know, as a baby face, I guess you could say like MJF is the heel or whatever. And again, I've talked about it from early on in this company that that, that uh, rivalry will uh, definitely be a big part of AEW moving forward. And it's still kind of working to get there. Uh, Leo Rush. Um, I don't know what you thought, but I thought a bit of a disappointment. Uh, good um, surprise, right? Not unexpected. Um, but not a uh, letdown. I think that could have 
could have been a letdown um, there because I think that people were really expecting something. I mean, fuck, people were expecting Daniel Bryan, right? Like, it was going to be tough to not have some people get let down. Um, but yeah, I thought that Leo Rush was a good surprise, but then he gets in there and I mean, everything he did looked off. Everything. Uh, tons of stuff that was sloppy and botchy. Um, goes for that weird like rebound stunner thing once, fucks it up, goes for it again, and fucks it up like but actually kind of gets it like it just looked bad like yeah i mean i guess the good news here is that he's not signed <laughs> he's not an AEW wrestler and he was here on loan from new japan um which is another part of the AEW new japan relationship right but uh but yeah i mean he just he did not look good here man i mean i don't know i don't know he hasn't he's looked fine in new japan strong he's been pretty bad in uh gcw but yeah, this was rough. Um, so yeah, mo- unfamiliar un- 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 environment. Sure, first, sure. First, first night there, like all all that all that same stuff. Remember, remember, Seidel went and botched his shooting star. Press. Definitely, like something he's done hundreds of hundreds of times in his first in his first night in AEW. So you know, I, yeah, but but in general, Leo hasn't looked great in, in his in his post WWE run. No, and and you're right about that, and it's tough. It's a bad situation because he's not completely you know you know fine-tuned and and wrestling a ton and it wasn't just like Seidel who was just running out getting on the top rope and hitting a shooting star and that was it like Leo was coming out here and they had a lot of intricate stuff the idea was he was going to do a bunch of spots right and it's like okay you get out there and then you're just like off you're just slightly off and then you're like trying to run through all of this stuff it's tough that's a lot of stuff to try to do and if you're not you know if you're not at your best best and you're in there with a ton of people. The ring is filled up with a bunch of people who you maybe have never worked with before ever. It's like, yeah, of course. Like, if you're a little bit off, you're not having your best night, and you're trying to hit, like, those really, you know, choreographed, for lack of a better word, like, a bunch of different stuff, and you, like, start to miss things. It's just going to continue. Everything's going to be a little bit off. So, sure. Definitely not going to say, like, oh, this means he's bad. But this is not it. <laughs> this is not the only time that he's looked off his entire like post WWE stuff has all been a little shaky. Um, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Um, I just, I didn't see it. I mean, I've liked the Agogo stuff, but I just, I don't think that he was ready for this spot. Um, I thought that he's just mechanically not completely there. Um, I mentioned, I tweeted it, but it was just like, I, I thought that stuff like, Stuff like him doing kind of the shaky, wobbly leg selling kind of makes sense as a boxer guy. And he, you know, pulls it off pretty good. But when everything else mechanically looks off and then you're trying to do a unique kind of selling thing, it just, it makes it look like your entire overall presentation is kind of sloppy and unprofessional. Um, He's definitely got some charisma and they were trying to tell a story here that had some something to it. The, the, you know, the cut over the eye and all the stuff that they were doing there. I, I got it, but execution it was not it was not smooth it was not perfect and i think it was not the time or place for it i think that this show every match i will say that that's kind of a a hindrance on the show i mean every match on this show where you could have had something that could have been a quick sprint they drug it out longer than it should have been um there's really only two matches where that's glaring um this is one of them um but yeah otherwise uh yeah i just i won't say like oh you know 
a go-go is a waste and is never going to make it. But I think that they, they picked the wrong time to try to pull the trigger on having him have a big match. But I guess you got to do it. You can't just, you know, have the guy only work squash matches on dark for his entire career. But um, you could have maybe done something a little bit simpler and a little bit quicker. It didn't have to be a squash match, but it also didn't have to go this long. Um, and I think you could have still kind of, you could slowly build to him having a, a full match and you could have gotten out of this a ton of different ways. Cause you have plenty of stuff on the outside and you could have done some bullshit. Um, you didn't have to have Cody yeah, there, lose there, clean. There, there, there was no reason for this. To, for the, there was no reason for this to go 11 minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Zero reason. I don't think a go-go looked terrible. Um, I think they found ways in order to, uh, protect, protect him and make him, Make it look still look like Cody worked for it, or that Cody just escaped, like the eye, in, like the eye injury thing, and 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 all that stuff. I did think they did they, they had smart uh smart outs in, ter- in terms of stuff in order in order to make sure everyone got out of the got out of this protected. But when I first saw how long this match went, I was like, why did this go so long? You do this definitely didn't need to go go longer than six minutes. Um, could have could have could have even could have even been shorter. So I don't I don't I I definitely looked at this one on paper said this shouldn't go that long, went into it watched it wasn't terrible but still the same opinion this this shouldn't have gone as long as it did, um, but you know I guess I guess it's experience for 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 a go go, and these are rep, these are reps he's gonna need, but I think it depends on what you want a go go to be for you, if a go go is gonna be like this big crossover star. Does he necessarily need to go out there at this stage stage in his career and have like six minute matches? I mean, I mean ten to eleven minute matches. Prob probably not, based off what a go go's realistic ceiling as a guy is. Um, but I don't but I don't think it'll it's a thing that'll hurt him. Sure, yeah, this isn't gonna derail him, and I do think that there's still something there and they can make him, but yeah, my point is not that he looked like terrible. My point is that he just didn't look like a fully trained pro wrestler. You know, he looked like a guy who's maybe a natural athlete and is athletic, but, but you know, is not really ready to be on a big pay-per-view show yet having a full match. That's why, yeah, it should have been quicker. Um, either way. Follow that up. Lance Archer, Miro. Uh, again, this one, this is the other one. This one should have been shorter, too. It's 10 minutes. Both these matches aren't, you know, they're not like 15 minutes or anything, but they're just too long for what they should have been. And at this point on the show, and then even what, with what follows this, if these had both been quick... Just kind of like let the crowd just get like a, a a couple of like just like fresh kind of light, easy to digest, quick matches. I think that this is honestly a phenomenal show. But these two matches back to back, both kind of drag, just give you this like little pocket in the middle where you just kind of it's just a little bloated, you know, and that's it. Like if these had just been nice little like quick, easy to digest, you know, sub 10 minute matches, both of them. Like I think that this show, this entire show is much, much better. Um, that said, I mean, Lance Archer to me, the Lance Archer hate, I feel like is a little bit overblown. I don't think that he's great, but I do think that like, he's got a role and he serves it pretty well, which is that he's like the big man jobber to the stars. Basically. Um, he's got credibility, but he loses to someone like Miro, which is what he does here. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just gave him a gave him too much here. He didn't need as much offense and he didn't need to take as much offense as he did. Um, but that said, I mean, He's also like not in the best shape, so he doesn't bump huge, but that's okay because Miro is pretty aggressive and violent looking, um, and his stuff gets over. 
Um, and when Miro was in control, he he definitely had some great offense. But yeah, just uh, and he comes across like br- brutal and and violent, but uh, just a little bit too long. And like I said, if this had been just a little bit shorter, I think we have a have a much better show. But uh, what do you what do you think? Yeah, completely completely agree. This especially especially for this for the style they worked this in the in the, in the pace they worked this at and. Them just going at it from from the get go again. No reason for this to be ten minutes. There was no reason for this at all, and I feel like that is, it more so gets over Miro, you know, in the long run if he's able to handle Archer with a you know a, in, a, in, a, in a short amount of time. I get that you don't necessarily want to uh, feed Archer to Miro. I think that you still have plans for Archer down the line, but yeah, for yeah for the for the pace in which the, in which this was worked and for everything that it d- did here. That, that this all could have been done in five in five in five or six minutes. But even even down to the spot where Miro grabs the the bag that the uh, that the implied snake is in after he takes it from Jake and throw and throws it, um, and chucks it back onto the stage, and everyone reacts like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you just threw the snake!" Like even even that you could have had that condensed down into the five or six minute frame, and Miro is. The, it, Miro was demolishing Archer, and Jake, as a uh, as a last gasp opportunity, tries to tries to come in and use the snake, and Miro grabs it and chucks it. You could have did that all within that did it all within four with with with, uh, with more with two more time chopped off chopped off of this. Uh, more so than Cody versus a go go. I thought this was really this was the more so egregious one when it turned when it turned in terms of the time yeah. that it that it took. Yeah, and it even it felt it was a little bit shorter, but it felt longer. You know, it was like this match felt felt very long. Um, that said, follow this up next big match. Some people are going crazy for it. I think this is some people's match of the night. I don't I don't think it was mine. Um, Britt Baker versus Sheeta AEW Women's Championship match. Um. Pulled the trigger, perfect timing um, for the title change here. But, Quentin, what did you think of the match? And maybe the booking as well. Um, it was fine. I like that. Um, it, it looked it looked like a it looked like a good win for Britt because you got a little bit of variance on a on a Sheeta on Sheeta here in her in her performance. A little bit a little bit more aggressive commentary is definitely bringing that up. Makes it seem like Sheeta's in a different zone. As she as she's facing Brit tonight, so I like using that to play up Brit's win and make her win seem more impressive than it would be on paper. Just because her it's not it's not like this is the first time her and she have encountered have encountered each other. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought this went a tad long too, honest, honestly. But I get it. This is a title. There's a title match and would wind up being a pretty big moment for Brit and a trend it's going to be a transition moment for this, for this division going forward. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was good. I don't, I didn't honestly, I don't think it's as good as any of the Riho versus Nyla matches. Uh, I thought, I think I've seen some Sheeta versus, uh, some Sheeta versus Nyla matches that, that were better. Obviously Thunder Rosa versus Brit was better than this. So I don't think it says this is as good as some of the other women's matches we've gotten from AEW, but this was this was still fine, uh, bordering on good. But anyone that like 
love this. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not on that side. Yeah, and and I think part of it too is probably they're a little bit too similar in their kind of styles and overall kind of way that they you know wrestle and present themselves. I think that made made it a little maybe a little boring. There's just not much there, you know, to play off of. Um, like you said, with the dynamic with Nyla and Riho and uh, even Thunder Rosa and Brit, you kind of get a little bit more different styles and a little bit more depth there that you can play off of to tell a story here. They're both kind of like doing heavy, some heavy strikes. Um, I, I thought it was good that Brit kind of showed off a little bit of like, she can do some mat wrestling and some grappling a little bit more technical stuff, not a ton, but at least a little bit, because I think that's probably the biggest knock on her is, Oh, she's not, you know, a good wrestler. And even if like doing a couple of little mat holds, isn't like what makes you a good wrestler. I think that there's a lot of people who, they can kind of be fooled into seeing that as like, oh, that makes you a good wrestler or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was good that she did a little bit of that just to kind of show off to people that she can do more than just, uh, you know, basic wrestling kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, the aggression from Sheeta I thought was good and the setup was good. Um, so I get where they're going for with the length because you needed the time to build to that, that Sheeta is here. She's got a point to prove. She doesn't want to just be the quarantine champion. Um, now that they're in front of fans, she wants to defend the title and continue to hold the title in front of live crowds. Um, so she's even bringing a more aggressive style. And you need that to kind of set up to build into believable near falls towards the end, um, which I thought that they were able to execute that. So, again, I've talked about this in the past. I think that Sheeta, people shit on Sheeta a little bit and don't appreciate her. But I think that her her ability to build stories and by the end of the match, getting crowds and people watching invested in near falls and the drama that has that she's gotten to is where she really shines and i thought that she was able to do that here and you kind of needed the length to do that that said i don't think that that was the best story to tell so it's like i get the idea and i get why they did it that way and they executed it well but i don't know that we needed to tell that story here because i think that most people came into this and they wanted brit to win um and you could have just had a little bit more dominant showing for Brit and you didn't really need to focus so much on trying to tell a story, focusing more on Sheeta and her trying to overcome, especially because we haven't even clearly turned Brit face yet. So it's like, she's going to win the championship. You're clearly going towards the face because the crowd loves her and you're kind of making it even more difficult by telling a valiant baby face story and having Brit do a curb stomp onto the championship. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing is just a little bit over the top where it's like, clearly the fans want Brit to be a baby face. She's acting somewhat like a baby face. The post-match celebration with Tony Schiavone coming and giving her a hug feels like you're leaning towards baby face, but you're telling me you're giving me a match where Brit cheats like a heel has a manager who tries to interfere like a heel. And you've got a valiant baby face underdog champion. Who's, fighting to keep their title so the whole thing just comes across a little bit confusing and, and like you said it, it goes a little longer yeah. than it needs to so yeah um follow that up match of the night is this your match of the night uh the, the triple uh, tag team match oh tag team match. darby sting uh, uh, Dar- no no all right N- well no, no, I, 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 I enjoy, I enjoy this. Um, it was really fun. I look, I, I love Sting. Yeah, 
I've always really I've always really liked Sting. I'm not the big I'm not the biggest fan of his what whatever like '96 through fucking 2001 or whatever. Not the big not the biggest fan of it. But early Sting in TNA Sting, I I I love him. I adore the dude. So to see him come out and take the shirt off and reveal and reveal the singlet and jump off the poker chips, I love that shit. I thought that was great. Um. Ethan and Darby, whether you think that, like, this type of stuff is beneath Darby at this point, or that he's proven that he's better than that, Darby and Ethan Page have, have really good chemistry. They do. They, 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 they have a proven chemistry. Ethan and Scorpio are perfect mid, mid-card flunky heels uh, for, 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 a spot, for a spot like this. This was really fun. I liked the, I liked the Darby and Sting team a lot. It was, it really was a blast to see Sting, uh, out in front of out in front of a crowd and see how much the crowd came came alive for him and how good and how uh how good he how good he looked here and Paige and Scorpio played played their roles perfectly. Darby looked great as always. But no, this was this was this wasn't this wasn't my match of the night. But this is really this is really really fun. Sting Sting jumping off the poker chips is definitely my favorite moment yeah, of the night. Yeah, for me maybe maybe it's not the best match of the night, but it was my favorite match of the night. Um. And for me, that's enough. Like, I'm going to say that, that this was the match of the night for me. I mean, I just thought that the moments, the execution of everything was perfect. And it had the big fucking moments. Like, yeah, the Sting opening is fucking phenomenal. Darby getting thrown into the crowd, into his brothers and all that is fucking crazy. Ethan and, and Scorpio are phenomenal as the heel, you know, tag team that just can do stuff like, like yeah, tossing Darby into the, into the crowd. But then also... Uh, but then also bump and sell and be, you know, big time stooging like heels. Like, yeah, like them, they, they serve both roles perfectly. Ethan kind of being just psychotic, psychotic Scorpio bumping huge kind of marking out as well for the, the legend or being afraid of the legend. He's in there against sting. Um, yeah, I just thought this was executed perfectly. Like I said, across the board, everyone hit their spots perfectly. The story that was being told was phenomenal. Had the big, yeah, big stuff that stands out. Darby, like, catching his legs to, to block the razor's edge was such a fucking great spot. Like, again, it works so good with the Darby character, as you talked about. Like, is Darby beyond this, you know, this point uh, with doing this stuff with Ethan? And it's like, maybe, but at the same time, stuff like that is just so perfect. I mean, like, I don't think Darby will ever be beyond, like, just taking insane wild fucking spots. He just he he doesn't. That, that, that's what I thought was weird. That's what I thought was weird. When people talked about this. Talked about this. It's like, like whatever you want to say about this stuff. Darby and Ethan Page had really good matches together. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that. Like that stuff was good. Yeah. Darby went on to do better stuff versus people like like Zach or Walter or Chris Hero or Cody or whatever you want to say. But that stuff with Ethan was really good. Yeah. And and it's still fucking good. I mean, this was great and. Yeah, Sting hitting a code red. I mean, you know, this was just, yeah, this was phenomenal. I love this so much. Like, I'm a big fan. Sting, Sting is like the first wrestler that I remember, honestly. Like, I, I probably saw wrestlers right. before, but when I started watching wrestling when I was a fucking child with my grandma, it was like her talking about the Stinger and his butt and his trunks. Like, that's my first memory of wrestling, is my grandma having a fucking crush on Sting. So it's like, I'm always going to mark out for Sting. Uh, you know, it's just, so it's really fucking cool to see him here and do what he does here. And then on top of that, it's not just that side of it, but 
that helps make this match feel like important to me on top of that like i said everything is executed perfectly so yeah i thought this match fucking ruled like it's so cool to see sting back but it's also amazing to see darby darby is Darby and Sting are like the tag team of the yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These guys are just like knocking it out of the park, man. Um, there's not not too much, not too many other teams that can argue with them. I guess Sonic Club is not quite doing it. Uh, can I? I don't know if we're going to talk about anything after Double or Nothing. I just want to say this really quick. I watched, um, I think it was Sonic Club versus someone and Hiroshima. I'm trying to remember who. Um, just recently on one of the, uh, it was. Mao and Takashita versus Brooks and Hiroshima. And uh, Mao gives okay. Hiroshima a package pile driver on the apron out of fucking nowhere, like nothing. It's like a transition nothing spot. It was fucking <laughs> wild. I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why did he just do that in the middle of this match? The crammer barely catches it. It's like nothing. It was so fucking stupid. Um, so yeah, that was... I just I, I wanted to mention that on the show and I was going to talk about the match, but uh, I don't think we're going to get get into it. Um, and Hiroshima is a lunatic. So yeah, so he just takes it like nothing. It was just a nothing spot. It was I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Um, all right. Follow this up. AEW World Championship three way Orange Cassidy pack and Kenny Omega. Um. I guess so. This was your match of the night, huh? It seems like it. Seems like that's where you went to. Uh, between 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 this and um, in the Bucks tag, I echo what you said. That feels that like I get how like the uh shenanigans with this overbearing could have took it down for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I love this, and I think that. This is what I mean. Where like where like AEW is really good at using moments to elevate other people. Um, Pack and Kenny are established. Pack is a former WWE guy. Pack had a history before he was even in WWE. Former NXT champion, cruiserweight champ, has gone on and been like a really big name internationally in wrestling. Pack is established. Yeah, the Dreamcake that Kenny Dreamcake Omega, Kenny championship Ome- was like fucking amazing. Yeah, like Pack is established. We're like we're very aware of Pack. Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. You don't really need to talk about Kenny Omega. Orange Cassidy was always this unexplored variable that if AEW hits it right, we're talking about maybe one of the biggest stars in the company. And in the first show back. With real crowd, with a real crowd in attendance, Orange Cassidy still sounds like the most over guy on the roster. And I thought that this match, on top of everything, this like so much wild action, crazy spots. I like the chemistry between all of these guys. Kenny and Pac's chemistry is is is, is ridiculous. Pac and Orange Cassidy's chemistry, and then the and then the explored Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy chemistry. All of all of all of that was great. I loved, I loved, I loved the structure of it, um, but especially down the stretch, as you just see Orange Cassidy getting blasted, but everyone's offense. Kenny Omega using him as a shield a couple of times. Uh, he takes a he takes a couple of couple of nasty moves and all this stuff, and Orange Cassidy just still hangs in there. And when he comes in, and hits the orange hits the orange punch a couple of time a couple of times on each of them. 
and it looks like he's about to win and Callus pulls him out. I was like, fuck, this is exactly why we miss crowds because here's the most over guy on the show and you screw him in a moment like that makes him a bigger star because Orange Cassidy had been on the back burner for a little bit in, in, the, in the pandemic era of AEW. We can admit that. But that's because he that's that's because he's such a crowd driven act. Same thing with FTR. They're such crowd driven acts. And Orange Cassidy, as soon as we get real crowds back that are cheering and chancing and happy and want to see this guy put his hands in his pocket and go on and go on his comebacks, he still feels like that big of a star. Like they have something waiting in the wings. Like they should run Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy at some point during this year. And with all with all of that, um, the struct the structure the structure of it, Kenny feeling like he barely escaped beating Orange Cassidy like that's great. But the whole thing with uh, Kenny Omega and so many heel champions is like, on some level they're fraudulent, right? Kenny Omega, even though he spent a lot of this port, a lot of the match uh, being in control, really, of Orange Cassidy and uh, and Pac controlling the pace and all this stuff. That on some level, Kenny is still fraudulent. And he felt fraudulent here as Orange Cassidy was a whirlwind of momentum, had everything going for him. And the best you can do is catch him is catch him is catch him in a crucifix. Couldn't hit the one-winged angel, couldn't do any of that. Kenny Omega in all his glory could only beat Orange Cassidy with a crucifix. And that's like perfect booking to me on top of it being a really great action packed match with crazy shit and a bunch of head drops and near falls and three of the, three of the best wrestlers on the roster going at it. This was per This was perfectly booked and it made me excited for orange Cassidy again. Like I don't, I, like it, it couldn't have done much better for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't argue with a lot of what you're saying there. I think that the overbooking and the shenanigans kind of just to me, kind of uh we're just kind of oppressive on the overall match for the finish and, and everything there um but that said i mean you're you're right and like that doesn't didn't necessarily ruin the match um but it did leave a really bad taste in my mouth coming out of it when i first watched it um re-watching it and kind of like looking it over it's like the biggest issue is not ne- necessarily like the overbooking or that anyone here was like relatively bad, but it was just that like only Pack had a complete performance in the match. Um, I thought the way that he was presented was phenomenal. I thought the way that he Pack was Pack was really great. He was so fucking good in this match, and then the way that they were like telling the story of, of that he's a just a stone cold killer and that Kenny Omega is basically afraid of him um because you know obviously he's like the only guy in the company that Kenny has not been able to beat um even with cheating or whatever so it's just like he kind of looks down on Orange Cassidy even if he's never really wrestled him um he thinks of him as easy work but he's afraid of of Pac so Pac kind of playing into the character of not only that, but like being a, just a stone cold killer and assassin, um, really just showing all that off the entire time. His selling, I thought was the most complete, like orange Cassidy, unfortunately had some good selling here, but also did a lot of like 
kind of, you know, what happens in a three-way, which is while you're selling, you just disappear. Um, so it's like, you know, unfortunate that like, it really hurts his character to have a match where sell the, the part that really makes him a lot of times is his selling. And you kind of just, most of that disappears in a setting like this, unfortunately. Um, because yeah, like anytime that he's selling someone else is just doing spots while he's just like kind of gone. You don't really focus on it. Um, but that said, like during the match, <laughs> I thought about it and I was just like, I was trying to think about how to describe like how good orange is as a as, like for what he does and it's like calling him his timing is like yeah <laughs> it's impeccable like he's amazing and the stuff that he can do but it's like he's he's not really a high flyer so i don't like want to call him a high flyer right and like you know he's an american wrestler who was you know trained in jakara so it's like it's weird to call him like a luchador but like he really wrestles like one of the best luchadors. Like, he, like I don't know right. what else to refer to what he is and what he does because it feels weird because he's like not a luchador, but he kind of is. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just so phenomenal. Um, at, yeah, like when he hits his big spots and and yeah, like the stuff that he does, and but then also being able to do stuff like the mouse traps, like and and the technical stuff that like the pinning combinations out of nowhere, but then the stupid shit, like the hands in the pockets thing, like breaking the, um, the full Nelson with the hands in the pockets is one of the just most phenomenal things. Like I always love when the sig It's so good. Cause it's yeah. like, it's like, it can be, it can be used in so many different ways. And what makes orange more than anything, like, what do you want to call him? Like a, a luchador, or a high flyer, whatever the fuck you want to call him. He's one of the smartest wrestlers in the world. Because this, like, stupid, goofy thing can be used as an act of defiance, like we, like, we, like, we, like we saw in this match. Or it can be used as a way in order to uh, negate something from happening to you. Yeah. Like, like he, he has such a great mind for for wrestling that that goes beyond the gimmick and his timing and all this, and all this stuff. Something like that is still, how, like, how do you even think of using that, using it like that? It's, it's really fucking cool to see him in this position because not even just like, you know, when only WWE existed, which, you know, in the time that we're in, and it's been like a probably over a decade now of like just this WWE eyes version of wrestling. Right. But even before there was like just the monolith of the WWE, there could be a guy like orange Cassidy who just never gets their due. You know, like it, it wasn't just it's really easy now to like blame everything that's ever been bad on wrestling on like, oh, it's because WWE. But like, no, there was times before where there was really good wrestlers who just never for some reason just never got their kind of appreciation in the time. And then, you know, we go back and we watch the tapes later and people are like, oh, my God, this guy was a genius. Um, and it's so cool to see someone finally kind of getting their due while they're still wrestling like Orange is here when it's like he could have easily been a guy who years down the line, people look at his stuff and say, oh, my God, that guy was phenomenal. But he never got the chance while he was wrestling outside of like the small circle of, you know, us psychotic people who have been watching him forever, like appreciating him. So it's so cool to see him finally, you know, in a big spot and getting what he deserves for just all the stuff you're saying, how great he really is. And it's so easy to overlook because it's so different and you don't really see people doing avant-garde stuff in wrestling like this. That isn't like, isn't just goofy because it's really easy for like what people call like meme wrestlers, gimmick wrestlers, people who do stuff that's different 
unique and quirky, but there's not extra thought put into it other than just like being different. And it's like orange. No, no, but, Tim, but, but here's the thing too, right? It's like, look at everything that we're talking about in terms of regards to what he did in this match. Like, I'm still a, a part of the, part of the contingent. I think Kenny Omega is still one of the smartest wrestlers to ever live. Like, that match is still on the table. We, we still haven't seen the full potential of a Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy match and what those two guys could think of. Like, that's still, those are still two of the best wrestling minds that we have in terms of just creativity and creativity and structures and spots. And I'm still... Even more, even more so than Hangman, right? Which I think we like. I guess you could go back and forth, right? Like, there's a Dar- there's a Darby, there's a Hangman. Even Orange Cassidy now is in this conversation. Christian Cage is still looming in the wings, but more so than anything, I really want to see Orange Cassidy versus Kenny. And I'm not even sure that it's wrong to say that Orange Cassidy should should be the guy that beat him. Yeah. No, I heard someone say that. Like, oh, you, you know, Orange Cassidy is clearly not going to win the title, and I was kind of like, why? Why not? Why can't Orange Cassidy win the championship? He gets some of the best ratings. The crowds love him. He's phenomenal. Like, there's no reason why he couldn't win the title. There really isn't. Like, it, and yeah, it wouldn't be the wrong choice. And you're right. There's still a lot left on the table here because this was a three-way rather than just a singles match. So you still have a ton that these two can probably come up with that will kind of like, you know, have a ton of insane unique interesting stuff um but like even like kenny having Pac up for the the one wing angel or just in the electric chair and catching like transitioning that into the brutalizer that was such a fucking wild spot like even stuff with Pac and kenny had like interesting stuff the 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 brutalizer and Pac won't break it as kenny is just like kicking him in the face like that was such a great spot like you know there was a lot of cool stuff but yeah then like the belts the outside interference the rep like I don't know. I guess I I thought that they actually that was kind of a a smart idea that they did, where Kenny didn't bump the ref to distract him, uh, because it's a three way and there's not going to be a disqualification. He bumped the ref because he didn't want him to call the match if Orange gave up because he couldn't get Pac to break the hold. I thought that that was a pretty actually a pretty smart spot. It made a lot of sense. But then it's like instantly you follow that up and the title belt thing like just a it was just a little bit too far. And I just, it just turned really goofy and it took a match that I was like really, really loving and just turned it into kind of a joke. Um, and then they like, they came back and they saved it. Like you said, with the big orange punch and, and the crowd was really buying it as the, as the finish. But, but, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, unfortunately I just thought that that last little bit on the finish and what you talked about with the crucifix, I thought was a good detail as well, because you show that Kenny didn't, he didn't win like dominantly. Um, so yeah, you can still go back to it. So yeah, I just thought that that I won't say it ruined the match because I still there was a lot to really there was a really a ton to like here and talked about the stuff with Orange and someone getting their due in their time. But Kenny's another one who it's just I've been such a huge fan of his for such a long time, and when he came out and he's got all the titles and the announcers are going crazy for him, it was just it was hard not to get a little bit emotional and think back about like how long I've been following this guy. The fact that like, he was one of the first wrestlers that me and my sister both kind of bonded over being like fans of, you know, like just all that kind of stuff, like sticks in my head um, forever to now see him, not just he was the top guy in new Japan and won the championship, but also he's like 
the biggest star in wrestling. Like you could argue like it's Moxley or Kenny, right? But it's like either way, like I didn't predict when I first was seeing Kenny Omega that he would ever make it to this spot and not for a lack of talent, but just another one like I talk about with with Orange Cassidy, like that he'll just never get the shot because nobody people won't see it or appreciate how good he actually is. Um, I say the biggest bummer with that is just that like he's not doing the the best work as far as I'm concerned um, that he's done in his career and like now he's at the top and I'm not the biggest the biggest fan or as big of a fan as I was of him in the past and that kind of bums me out too but you know you have to kind of take the good with the bad and just kind of be happy that it's that it kind of worked out for him um and something like this like i was saying like just such a, a really really great kind of wrinkle in time to just see like that this match happened um it's just a bummer because as i said i think the only person who really had a complete performance in the entire match was Pac, and kenny and, and orange like kind of did spots and had some cool stuff here and there but didn't uh didn't really like i don't know just kind of were interrupted throughout the match and like going from thing to thing and not necessarily like uh really having like a, a strong like driving character or narrative throughout the entire match um either way uh yeah i would say i would say definitely a lot better uh on rewatch than it was live because in the moment i was just so bummed not that it was better but i just had a bad taste in my mouth coming out of it live and uh re-watching it, it was is much better so i'm happy that i kind of went back and watched it a second time um Anything, any final thoughts on that match? Uh, no, just like, you know, just what, what, what do you think is next for Kenny? Do you think that, you know, we should be looking at a Orange Cassidy versus Kenny versus Kenny program now? Or do you think that now we're going to try to be, be transitioning into like Hangman and like Christian trying to jostle, jostle for position on that one? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously you got the Jungle Boy match coming up. Um, and Christian eventually, I don't know, like, could they save the Christian title match for whoever beats Kenny? Because like, they've talked about Christian wanting to challenge for the title, but does he have to challenge Kenny? I don't know. Um, I still think maybe you have Paige be the one who beats Kenny Omega just because they have the history that they've built with the tag team run. Right, and, and you're right. I think that, uh, it still ultimately should be Paige because, like, for his character and his arc, that's the ultimate validation. Yeah, I think that's where you need to go. Well, that's who needs to beat him. That said, though, I don't know how much longer you can stretch out waiting for Paige. Um, but also, I don't know if I want to end Kenny's title reign that soon. So, I think that you could definitely do singles matches with both of these guys. I think you could do Pac and orange still because Pac didn't lose here and kenny and Pac still only have like the draw on the iron man match right it was the last match that they had before this um so you could definitely still go back to them um so yeah i could definitely i think you could go pr like pretty long still with the kenny omega title run on top of the fact that he's got all those other belts you know it's like you want to keep him the champion for a while just to make it a little bit more impressive so yeah, I don't know. Um, I think Paige has to beat him, but I don't know when. Like, I think you could stretch out this title ring kind of long. 
Yeah, I, I, I still think you can too. Like, there's still like a lot of unexplored stuff with Kenny, um, with with Kenny on it, honestly. But yeah, I still think that that and the end result should still be Hangman. Um, I guess we should get gets ready to get ready to get into season. Yeah, we gotta talk about it. <laughs> there's a lot here. I like. Yeah, it. I like. I like. Yeah, it. yeah. I won't even say I disliked it, but I don't know how much. Like, I don't. I don't really care to talk about it too much. Is is my real thing. Of course, like there's not much to not much yeah. to say. Like, it's fun. It's fun. Like, it's like I think the main thing we were concerned about it wasn't going to be as fun or as uh, yeah. funny as um or that as it, it the first be. one. You know, like it, that it wasn't going to be able to be funny. You yeah. know, it had to be all serious. Um, right, and like I, I think they like they uh definitely like you know maybe we're trying to throw us off the trail or whatever. But no, this was this was this was very very entertaining. Um. I think what they MJF running from Jericho was. Great. I think what they did well here is that it was still funny, but it it was a lot more of like, um, just like natural comedy, and it wasn't like as yeah. overt. Like you, the wrestlers are making jokes. It was kind of like situational stuff was happening, and it was stuff that was like entertaining, but it wasn't like directly wrestlers making jokes because the first one was a lot of stuff that was really, like, felt more, like, directly the wrestlers are trying to make jokes or whatever. And this just had, like, a lot of, like, naturally occurring funny spots. You know what I mean? That was kind of the difference, which I thought did well for the setting. Mm. Uh, I, think, I think that here, uh, every, everything everything was was, uh, was, pre- was pretty was pretty uh, pretty entertaining here. Conan, Conan is the DJ. Uh, yeah. And, cha- and, changing, and changing the music. Uh, Warlow War and, and and Hager fighting it, fighting in a, in a, in a fighting in the walk-in freezer. I thought yeah. I thought I thought was really I thought was really cool. Uh, Jericho and MJF fighting all backstage and them going through um the Jaguars uh coaching room and them interrupting Charlie Strong and Urban Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> um. While 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 they were while they were back there, there was there was some good, funny stuff. I'm glad that Sammy got the win. Uh, even if the if you even if they might have been sort of predictable, I think that this whole thing, more so than anybody, obviously served MJF and establishing his group. But this whole thing, what has been about Sammy from the time that MJF joined their circle, has been has been a thing for Sammy and elevating Sammy. And I predict that the rest of the year will be a will be a pretty big year for Sammy. Yeah. Um, if this if this match is anything to go by, but yeah, there's not much to say about it. It was fun, entertaining, not as good as the first one. I'll still say that. But still, it was still a really, uh, really, really fun match. I enjoy. I enjoyed myself quite a bit yeah. watching it. And I can definitely see why you don't go with like Sammy pinning even MJF or Wardlow or like one of the bigger guys. You haven't pinned Spears because you can do more moving forward. But I would have. I would have maybe liked Sammy getting a bigger scalp. Um, but I get it because he wins the match and that's all that really matters. And then you can have the other matches for him going down the line. Um. I assume Jericho has to take time off, because um, that keeps being the rumor, and his arm is messed up. But uh, yeah, we thought we thought Jericho was gonna take time off when he like lost the. Yeah, belt. that's <laughs> been the rumor for a long time that he's going to take time off, but he just hasn't. So I don't know what's going on with him and and that side of things. But yeah, Sammy definitely it's is poised to be focused on and can move forward into doing bigger and better things and. 
I mean, if you don't want to take him to the world title, Sammy being the guy to unthrone Miro after like a pretty, uh, you know, devastating and and dominant title reign would maybe not be the worst idea. Um, especially especially for how they've built Sammy up. Like now, Sammy is all spunky and fiery, and like that's perfect. That's like if we're, again, like we're going down the list of potential Miro opponents, like. Obviously, obviously, Darby would 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 have would be number one, and then like an orange, and then like an orange Cassidy would be would be another one that you want to see. But Sammy would be right there in terms of potential Miro. Yeah, opponents. definitely, definitely would be an interesting to see match, especially after you build up Miro as being like a big monster and Sammy being, yeah, like a guy who's super fiery and intense and can like bring the physicality as well as the high flying and the selling and the bumping and everything else he can do. Um. I did. I. <laughs> it was goofy, but I liked Sean Spears being in the chair zone. I just thought that that was cool. Yeah, it was goofy, but I was like, "What the?" But fuck? it was cool. He's the chairman, <laughs> and he's just sitting in the room with all the chairs. And it's like, of course, there's a room with a bunch of chairs back there, right? So just do, you know, just do it. It was. I thought that that was neat. Um, what, what was your What was your favorite segment? Um, the bar stuff was pretty pretty fun, but. Uh, Hmm, that's kind of tough, actually. Uh, I guess Jericho and MJF fighting through the back, and uh, and yeah, just like Jericho when Jericho tried to hit fucking MJF with the helmet, and you could hear someone in the background be like, "Oh fuck!" Like, like I can't remember exactly what they, but they were clearly like, "Oh shit!" He's about to hit him with the fucking helmet, and he he dodges and he just smashes the wall. That shit was wild. I just thought that was such Dude, a cool spot. He cracked. Yeah. He cracked MJF with the fucking megaphone in the back of yes. the head. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that Jericho and MJF were fucking phenomenal because they were just like walking brawl all over the place with just like anything that they wasn't like bolted down. They were throwing each other into it or over it. And when MJF takes the big dive over the fucking stairs on the chair, like that was wild through the table. Like, yeah, I just thought that. Oh, oh what'd you what you um what'd you think of them uh in her, in her circle? repelling oh down the, big, the fucking yeah. stadium. And the whole thing was a ruse because, yeah, they, I just, I thought that was so funny too because, like, after all was said and done and they all did all of this, like, there was no real element of surprise. Like, they come down the side, there's plenty of time to see them coming. They come and chase MJF. It was so pointless. MJF runs, like, hides inside the, the limousine. Um, so it's like, oh, okay. And then when the inner circle does show up, they drive up, but it takes them so long to get there driving up that it's like the inner circle's ready for them when they get there. So it was just like, anytime anyone thought that they had the element of surprise, they didn't really. It was just very, it was very goofy. Well, why, why was the inner circle, why the inner circle just turn into the Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like, a biker gang. Like, yeah. like yeah, yeah. Then, 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 then last month or whatever, or whatever the fuck, they had prison jumpsuits on for whatever yes. reason. Like, I don't really understand Babyface Inner Circle, but like, I'll, I'm fine yeah, laughing I mean, at it. It's very funny because it's just like uh, Jericho is just a prissy fashion bitch who's just like, okay, if we're having the big match, we have to have fancy outfits, and like, so no matter what, they have to have special <laughs> outfits for their match, you know, like, so yeah, it's the the jumpsuits, and then it's, you know, they're just butching it up, they're tough guys, and then it's like, oh, okay, now we're gonna be a, we're gonna have biker cuts, and we're gonna have a biker gang, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, now we're, you know, you know, we're, son, now we're sons of anarchy, <laughs> yeah. which is funny, because like, Jer- because Jericho actually kind of looks like, kind of looks like Jericho. A little bit, yeah, he does, uh, <laughs> he's got about the same level of intelligence, too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 
very funny um the whole thing is just goofy and yeah it was a lot of fun but the last one yeah the last one was better but i think i we're i think i was worried that this was going to kill the gimmick but i think they're safe and they can do i think they can do stadium stampede again honestly they can bring it back um if it's yeah. like natural you know so yeah definitely uh definitely a uh a solid closer and getting it in the ring and and sammy hitting the big 630 and you know the crowd sent home happy, which I get, but it is odd because it is like I was saying, like, is Jericho going to take time off? And I misspoke when we did the preview. It was not uh, losing unit disbands. It was only if the inner circle lost, they had to disband. So, um, uh, yeah, okay, so they okay, win. Okay, okay. Well, say, damn, it'd be kind of, it'd be kind of, it'd be kind of weird if the pinnacle yeah, lost. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but the inner circle gets to stay together, but it is like, okay, but is Jericho leaving? Who knows? I don't know. Either way, um, like I said, solid pay-per-view. If those two matches in the middle had just been quick, you know, whatever, breezy kind of things, I think you'd have an even better match with a little bit more, or better show, a little bit more variety. But that said, still, like, a breeze compared to WWE pay-per-views, right? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we still get some variety. Like, there was a lot different. And doing a big three-way match as the main event um, stands out as well, because, you know, it's just like something something different. What you think? What you think of the pay per view? Pay per view overall? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really good. Like I like I was saying, like definitely, um, had like if if those matches in the middle had delivered better and been structured a little bit different, you'd have even more variety. But that said, you still had like a good amount of variety on the show, which I think is important. Um, so yeah, and I just like I said, a breeze, easy to watch. What did you think of the whole thing overall? Yeah, like I think we're talking, we're still talking about three really good matches in the tag title match: Darby and Sting versus uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, and the world title match. I thought were all really good, and the main and the, and the main event was really fun. Like you like you touched on, if the middle section was a little was a little bit better, a little bit better structured, um, maybe maybe less time put in put into those, then we might be talking about one of one of AEW's better pay per views. But still, like, the good stuff on here was really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, that's all I got, unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about before we go. Uh, no, I mean, I watched the King of, the King of Gate uh, finals, finals show. The finals were very, very, were very good. Enjoy, enjoyed uh, that final match a lot. And I'm looking forward to the, uh, I guess, hopeful main, hopeful main event of of Kobe world I know you know we've had we've had years before where they've changed the champion on the fly and all that kind of shit so I'm hoping that, I'm hoping things stay where they are I think that I think that'd be a really really good match at, at Kobe world but uh but that's it not gonna say too much about it because I don't want to get spoilers if anyone cares about that uh well thank you all for well thank you all for listening uh things are kind of slow right now we'll see we'll see what we have to cover probably make a transition back to like us indie wrestling i guess but thank you all for listening to this installment and we'll be here next time